Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Nick and Bush coming at you with another Black Monday episode. Today, we're going through some of our favorite values for 2020 fantasy football, our top eight. So we picked four each, and we're going to run through them, um, kind of our favorite values in each position. We're going to try and avoid guys that we talk about a lot too, especially uh, guys that me and Danny talk about a lot. So we're not going to talk about Eckler, Rojo, Johnny Smith, Adam Thielen, DJ Moore, either the Rams receivers and the Texans receivers, because those guys, if, if you weren't sure are all values in my opinion, but you know, I wanted to get some kind of fresh opinions, fresh ideas into the mix. So uh, Nick, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing good. Uh, yeah. There was a couple of guys I left off my list intentionally as well, just because I've talked about them a lot I, uh, between Rager, Matt Breida, Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk. Um, those are kind of just guys that I've already talked about and I think they're values. So there's not really any point in putting them on the list, but yeah, man. It's good. So let's do this. Cool. We're going to hit the intro and then we'll see you guys on the other side. All right. So first up on the list, we got Julian Edelman and this guy's been a value the whole draft season. It hasn't even just been like recently. Cause like um, we're, we're taking ADP for, I forgot to mention uh, from four for four ADP. It's like completely free and they kind of aggregate like FFPC, ESPN, CBS, NFL, Yahoo league. So all the like major um, platforms that most people use. So uh, that's a great resource for you to go check out ADP. If you're curious where people are normally going and stuff, but Julian Edelman is basically the first guy on the list. And like the big thing with Julian Edelman is target volume. Like no one other than Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and Allen Robinson last year, only those guys had more target volume than Julian Edelman. Just because Brady is gone doesn't mean this offense isn't still the Edelman and James White show. Like it still is like, regardless of what you think of cam or how you think he's going to use everyone. Like it's, he's fitting Josh McDaniel's system. They're still going to use Julian Edelman the way he was used last year, 154 targets last year. He had more targets than Deandre Hopkins got in Houston and 15 of his catches on the season were in the red zone without Gronk in the, um, on the team last year, he actually became more of a red zone option than we saw in the past. He's basically just the main target in this offense. And the fact that he's going off the board at the seven eleven or the wide receiver 34 is tremendous value because if he plays 13 or more games this year, he's going to be a top 20 receiver. Like it's just going to happen. And with like PPR and maybe some touchdown luck, he can sneak into that top 12 range. And this is a guy you're getting outside of flex territory. Like, if you start your draft off running back, running back, running back, you can stack like three straight receivers and Edelman, Edelman will be your third receiver. Yeah, I, uh, I love Julian Edelman. I think he's just kind of one of those guys that gets forgotten. Uh, actually, the next guy I'm going to talk about was a guy you just mentioned, his teammate. Uh, and I'm just kind of on these guys. I feel like Cam Newton kind of scares me a little bit, but at the same time, like we've just seen over and over and over again, these two produce. They dominate just because Tom Brady left doesn't really mean that they all of a sudden have this new talent that they've found. Like, I mean, what is it? Devin Asi Asi that they've got at tight end Nikhil Harry, who I really like, but I mean, most of his production honestly came off rushing last year and uh, Muhammad Sanu, who is dust. They're going to throw so a lot. I, uh, totally. Yeah. And they Edelman's threw a lot just last year, even though they had an elite defense. And the reason they did that was because they couldn't run the ball for shit. And they're not going to be able to do it again, probably. Like, unless Damian Harris kind of breaks out. But, like, Sony Michelle, like, we've seen Sony Michelle in the NFL. He's not very good. So, I think, like, between um, James White and Julian Edelman, I think they're all just kind of going undervalued. Like, Cam is going to have to throw the ball this year. 
And we've seen uh, Cam target his slot man, specifically talking about Edelman before, because he targeted DJ Moore 24 times in the two games that he played with him last year. So I, I think Edelman is a smash play in any kind of PPR league if you can get him after the sixth, seventh round. Because especially if it's a, uh, a league where you have three receivers, you have to start three receivers, he is the perfect guy to have as your wide receiver three. Because if you maybe you take more risky guys earlier, like you take AJ Brown and like DJ Moore or something. You get Julian Edelman at the back end of that, and you you got a, like a solidified receiver core with a balance of like floor and ceiling. Because Julian Edelman's a great floor play, and I think he's much much safer than people are giving him credit for. Yeah, I 100% agree. And uh, kind of just rolling into my guy, that's exactly kind of how I feel about him. It's uh, James White. I feel like James White. You know, people are just bored with him, and they just kind of only look at his floor. Uh, but I think we need to go back to 2018 when he put up an RB8 season. You know, I mean, he had 121 targets, 83 catches. Uh, I mean, if you kind of look at that whole Super Bowl run thing versus the Falcons, he kind of flashed some of his upside in the playoffs. Like this guy, it's, it wasn't just Tom Brady that made him good. So Sony Michelle is injured again. You know, he had surgery this offseason, and there's been a lot of buzz around Damian Harris, who – I actually really like Damon Harris. You know, he was able to keep Josh Jacobs off the field a lot in Alabama, which says a lot about him. But his professional career last year, not only did he get zero touches last year, he played five snaps for the entire season. Yeah. Five snaps. And that was with Sony Michelle getting injured. I mean, that that was They're, like like they needed a spark in their rushing attack last year. And for whatever reason, they didn't trust Damian Harris to provide that, which is a little concerning. And it sounds like he's I don't know, maybe he just wasn't picking things up fast enough last year for Bill Belichick's liking, but it is concerning that last year of all years, he wasn't able to get on the field. It'd be different if Sony Michelle was like playing fine or whatever. It's like, to me, it's the Joe Mixon in the passing game argument. Well, if Joe Mixon can catch passes when all the receivers were injured, how is he going to catch passes now? That's kind of how I feel about Damian Harris. If he couldn't get on the field last year, why is he going to do it this year? But I mean, players improve, like maybe he just wasn't picking it up. Regardless, James White, yeah, like he's going off the board in the mid-eighth round at the RB32. If you're in a full PPR league, James White is 100% going to be a top 24 running back. It's just going to happen. Yeah, that's, that's how I feel about it. I mean, I just think you're drafting someone lower than their floor, and he's flashed ceiling, so I don't think we need to overthink it, you know? I mean, Cam has already shown – I mean, Chris McCaffrey is a much better player than James White is. I'm not comparing the two. But Cam has shown, just like he threw to DJ Moore, like he'll throw to Edelman, that he would throw to McCaffrey. He's a rushing quarterback, but he used McCaffrey a ton in the receiving game. And I see James White being that guy, especially with Sonny Michelle being injured going into the year. I mean, it's Damian Harris and it's James White. And, uh, yeah, I just I see wheels up for James White. Yeah, and if people are worried about Cam Newton not throwing to his running back because he's more mobile than Tom Brady, like commanding targets as a running back trumps a quarterback's propensity to throw to the running back position. Like we saw in 2017, the year before 2017, 2016, Cam Newton targeted the running back position 32nd most in the league. So dead last, Christian McCaffrey was drafted top 10. It's just like when you have a guy who can actually do something with it, it's different. He gets open, he commands targets and, and you're willing to throw to him because you actually trust him. That's the same thing with James White. Obviously he's not as dynamic as Christian McCaffrey, but he's still a great receiving back. So um, on to the next guy. Uh, this one got even better with the news today. Um, as we're recording this, it's uh, Sunday night and Deshaun Jackson is the guy on my list. Jalen Rager is supposedly going to miss like four weeks, I guess with like a stinger or like um, a, like a writ, like a no, it, no, it's torn labrum. Oh, is it labrum? Okay. Yeah. So mm -hmm. a partially torn labrum, which could linger. If I, if I had to guess, I saw some of the fancy doctors chimed in saying 
it's a little concerning that he's not going to have surgery because this is probably something at the end of the season we're going to hear, oh, well, he was playing through injury the whole year and all that stuff. So Deshaun Jackson, due to injury issues of his own, has not played a full 16-game season since 2013. I understand that. But fantasy, especially where you're getting Deshaun Jackson, he's going off the board super, super late. Like, it's a week-to-week thing with Deshaun Jackson. You don't need to rely on him every single week because he's going off the board in the 13th, 14th round. If you're anything like me, you love a lot of these rookie receivers this year. I know it's a down off season with COVID and stuff, but let's not forget, this is one of the best rookie receiver classes we've ever seen. And if you're going to pick guys like Ruggs, Judy, Lamb, Pittman, Chenault, Rager, like you need to have a guy like Djax who you can keep in your flex rotation and good matchups while those guys develop, because it might be six, seven weeks before Ruggs, Judy, Lamb, Pittman, Chenault, all these guys become like solidified starters and you can actually feel comfortable putting them in your lineup. And by that point, I mean, Deshaun Jackson might be injured by that point, but if he got the job done for those first six, eight, 10, 14 weeks or whatever, how long you need to use him, then he was worth the pick because like I said, he's going at the end of your draft and you can start him week one against the Washington football team whom he torched for like two touchdowns, 150 yards last year. Yeah. I mean, Deshaun's just kind of one of those guys that's just a really good football player. You know, a lot of speed wide receivers, they're just that, but they can still produce. He's just good. Anytime he's on the field, He's someone you got to watch out for. He's always capable of a huge, like, 30, even 40-point game. Like, very few wide receivers are capable of that. And, yeah, I love Jalen Rager. It was a huge bummer. But with him out, almost for sure, at least, like, at the beginning of the season, that Redskins game with Deshaun Jackson, I mean, it's looking like a last year's all over again, week one, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Yeah, man, I, I like this take. Yeah, low-key, I think J. John might be kind of useful with, with, with Rager out. Like, I don't – like, yeah. they got no one else. Maybe. Like, no one. And apparently, he's kind of looking good. So, yeah. it could be a little DJ Charky this year if it's, if it's yeah. possible. So, Greg Ward, anyone? Yeah. Who do you got so, up next? Uh, yeah, so mine's uh, DeAndre Swift. You know, we're talking about rookies a little bit there. Uh, and I was kind of blown away when I saw he was RB27. Something about that just doesn't sit right in my mind. Like – I don't see any way that DeAndre Sift is not an RB2, you know, I mean, at least. And his upside is, is massive. He's a 5'8 running back, and he's 212 pounds. He ran a 4'4'8". He was the guy that went into Georgia. And Sony Michelle, and he, you know, we look at him now. He's not that great. But in college, Sony Michelle was incredible. And Nick Chubb was even better. And uh, DeAndre Swift pushed both of them off the field as a freshman. He averaged a 6.6 yards per carry in the SEC, which is, you know, impressive. Yards per carry is what it is. But, you know, to go with 73 catches and 9.1 yards per touch. Uh, DeAndre Swift is the full package. Evan Silva, a guy who I really trust and a lot of other people trust, had him as his RB1 even after the draft and uh, in all the rookies. So I think a lot of people have just kind of looking at this Lions team and gotten a little cold towards him for some reason. It's it's because oh, like I've actually heard people, and this is might be a more casual player type of thing, but they don't want to draft Lions running backs because I mean, when was the last time a Lions running back was good for fantasy? Reggie Bush, like yeah, it's been a while. Like Carryon's had flashes, but like no one has consistently. We haven't seen a consistent Lions running back for like seven years. But like that's the dumbest narrative ever. It's just like you. The, the player dictates the, the fantasy production, not the like team situation, unless it's like the same scheme, which it hasn't been in Detroit because they've had like co- coaching turnover over that time. Yeah, that was exactly kind of what I was going to say is I feel like the only reason that people aren't taking DeAndre is because he's a lion. 
And I'm on the other side of it. I actually love the Lions this year. I think I love Marvin Jones. I love Kenny Galladay. I love TJ Hawkinson. Matthew Stafford's awesome. And uh, Karrion Johnson is just not much of a worry to me at this point. DeAndre Swift pushed uh, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle off the field. He's going to do the same thing with Karrion Johnson, and their offense is going to be explosive. I love DeAndre Swift. Yeah, and my con- like my concern with DeAndre Swift, and this is probably why he's slipping, because I feel like you're right. He is like normally a fifth round pick, like consistently, but the leg injury that he's been sidelined by, they've already come out and said kind of like carry on Johnson's going to open the thing as the starter, which is obviously pushing his ADP down. I do think he's going to have a little bit more of a delayed start than I initially thought because the leg, like leg injury or just injuries in general in as a rookie in camp during a shortened off season where you need like time to, to acclimate regardless. Like I, I just don't think it's good for his case. I think it'll take him an extra week or two to beat out carry on as opposed to if he had been like healthy all camp because carry on was hurt too. So um, I, I still like the call of Swift. If you, if you can get him in the sixth round or like at RB 27 prices, like that's, that's fucking stealing. So um, another rookie running back we're going to talk about here, but mine is kind of the Ravens backfield in general. I think Mark Ingram and JK Dobbins are values regardless. And I think the reason they're values is because we don't know who's going to be the starter. Like, long-term like the whole season or whatever but again i've said this fantasy is a weekly game like it's you got to plan for four or five weeks at a time at the beginning of the season your focus should be winning games at the beginning of the season not planning for the playoffs or planning for your second half run like you need to win early in the season and that's why mark ingram to me is a value the ravens ran the ball at over a 55 percent clip last year and i know that includes lamar jackson but they were still second highest in the league even if you remove lamar jackson's carries in, the tw- in 2017, and this is what this backfield, I'm like, it's really drawing comparisons for me. Uh, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram finishes the RB6 and the RB3. The Ravens offense ran the ball at a far higher clip than that team did, like in the, 20, uh, the 2017 season with the Saints. And the scoring opportunities are just as, like, as, just as fruitful as they were that year. J.K. Dobbins might only have 170 carries, but he might catch 60 balls. He might, like, like I don't know this for sure, but he might do something like that and get a lot of scoring opportunities. I just said commanding targets as a running back is a skill. J.K. Dobbins is an excellent receiver. He is a better receiver than Mark Ingram. And if he's able to actually get on the field in that kind of role, then he'll be able to like take advantage of that. And I know Lamar's like primary instinct is to run the ball when he doesn't have anything open. But again, we said the same thing about Cam Newton. You can, if, if, a, if a running back is commanding targets because he's getting open all the time, they're going to use them. It's not like He's just going to be like, oh, I'm not throwing to my open running back because I have legs. Like, no, that's not really how football works. He's going to throw to J.K. Dobbins if J.K. Dobbins can get open. So, and again, like this is the type of offense you want to invest in. You don't want to invest in bad offenses. The, the thing that takes like upside, like what determines upside is usually talent and opportunity for starters. But that takes you, if you're the RB1 for the Washington football team, you might be a low-end RB1, high-end RB2. But to become a top five running back, you need to be in an elite offense, and the Ravens are nothing but that. So that's, that's yeah, basically I, my thoughts on the backfield. I think they're just both undervalued. Yeah, I, uh, only thing that's concerns me a little bit with J.K. Dobbins is the early at the beginning of the season. But I love him so much that I'm willing to kind of hang on. I think you might have to hang through a, a few weeks early on of, like, not many touches. Uh, I was actually listening to the podcast with Evan Silva and, and Matt Kelly – And they were saying, they're like, look, week one, week two, week three, he could literally have like three touches, five touches. It could be really low, but just don't fucking drop him. You know, I mean, he's the kind of guy that you picked him for his upside. Uh, If Mark Ingram went down, I mean, RB1. Like like, that's the entire, like the entire fab is being spent on JK Dobbins. Like if that happens. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was so on just the don't wire. drop him. Exactly. So just don't drop him, and he's got standalone value potentially. I just think you might have to ride it out a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I tend to believe that he has a lot more standalone value than some people do. I think some people are like, oh, but what about Gus Edwards? Like, And I know Gus Edwards is like mm. a solid running back, and he averages like a lot of yards for carry and all that stuff. But like J.K. Dobbins is like he's, he makes Gus Edwards irrelevant in my opinion. I don't think they would have picked J.K. Dobbins if they thought Gus Edwards was like this guy that's like a perfect number two back. And Gus Edwards might be that, but they said they had a first-round grade on J.K. Dobbins. And I believe them because I had a first-round grade on J.K. Dobbins. So – I, I just think this backfield is one you want to invest in. Whether J.K. Dobbins only gets 170 touches this year, I think he can legitimately be a, like a mid middling RB2 with 170 touches in this offense because of the scoring opportunities it presents, because of how efficient you're going to be because of Lamar. Like these two guys to me, I wouldn't pair them on the same team. I would kind of shoot your shot. If you want the early season upside, go with Mark Ingram. If you want the, the back half of the season um, kind of lottery ticket on your bench, then go with J.K. Dobbins. But I, I do think they're going to be valuable, both of them this year um, and potentially even at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I like them a lot. Um, despite any concerns, I definitely see him as a value. Um, my guy is uh, actually someone I've kind of warmed up to more and more the last couple of weeks, just the more I've kind of looked at their, the Dallas Cowboys offense and that's Michael Gallup. Um, so CD lamb was, you know, one of my very favorite wide receivers this year. He's an incredible talent. And I feel like myself and just a lot of people, when the Cowboys picked him, it was like, Oh no, Michael Gallup is, yeah. uh, he's kind of sunk, you know, that's how it felt to me at first. And, uh, I've kind of had to take a step back and look at the whole scheme of things. I mean, Randall Cobb is gone. Jason Witten is gone. They don't sound like a lot but each one of those guys got 83 targets last year. So that's 166 targets that are up for grabs. And that's really just CD lamb that kind of came in. Yes. Blake Jarwin is definitely going to have a bigger role, but he already had some targets last year. So, I mean, I, I see him getting some of the pie. I really like Blake Jarwin, but for sure, Michael Gallup can still get the 122 targets that he got last year all over again, even with CD lamb getting play uh, Gallup, through weeks five through 17 was the wide receiver 13 in all of football. He actually beat Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper was at 12 points a game. Gallup was at 12.6 points per game through those games. He was 10th in yards per reception, 12th in yards per target and 15th in yards per target uh, or route run per target. So his efficiency metrics were pretty good. And Michael Gallup, I feel like had one of the quietest 1100 yard seasons of all time. Like he missed two games last year and he still put up over 1100 yards for 66 receptions and six touchdowns. Like the dude balled out. And I think I need to give him more credit. And I just, the more and more I look at it, I want Michael Gallup all over the place. I love him at his ADP. Yeah. And again, this is, this is someone not unfamiliar to the channel because Danny obviously as a Cowboys fan loves Cowboys players, but especially Michael Gallup. And I agree with him. I think it like if lamb has any struggles at the beginning of the season, like any rookie bumps, like for the first six weeks, like Michael Gallup might be a top 15, like will, will like probably be a top 15 receiver to start the season because we know how Amari Cooper is. I am way off Amari Cooper. I don't want anything to do with him this is the guy I want in the Dallas Cowboys offense. I think CD lambs being overdrafted a little bit. Yes. There's vacated production, but to me, it's more of like a, when do I actually start this dude kind of thing? Um, so I'll take him in best ball. But other than that, like I'm kind of off lamb and, and Cooper together. So Gallup is the guy I'm definitely targeting. And I do think you're correct. hundred percent. If he played 16 games, he would have had a 1200 yard season and like eight touchdowns. Like 
he actually had a breakout season and that no one's really talking about. Yes, C.D. Lamb was drafted, but that doesn't kill Michael Gallup's value. This, this is still a team that's going to be probably top three, top five in passing offense this year. So it, there's plenty of volume to go around. And Gallup is the guy that you, aside from Cooper, is the one, the two guys to me that you can confidently start each and every week. And you're like 60% of the time with Gallup, you're going to get wide receiver two or better numbers. Yeah, I mean, they've got Ezekiel Elliott. They've got Blake Jarwin, Dak Crushes, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. Like, this offense blows my mind when I think about it a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I think Michael Gallup's just going to be running open a lot. I actually like Amari Cooper uh, a lot more than you do. Uh, but I, I just – I like my, Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper are my guys to own. And, uh, yeah, I, I just uh, – I think he's an awesome value. For sure. Uh, my next guy is this one's a pure volume play and I'm not a big pure volume guy. Cause I think that not all volume is created equally. Some volume is good volume. Like Austin Eckler is super efficient with his volume. So his volume outweighs certain other players volume. You get the point. Anyway, big Ben Roethlisberger is a volume play. He's always been a volume play his entire career. He's a volume play again this year. Only three of the Steelers first 10 games would be considered unfavorable matchups. They have some smashes in there too. If Ben is able to complete a full campaign, even if he's not, if he's able to play like the first 10 games of the season, he's averaged over 300 passing yards per game and two touchdowns per game over the last couple of years of his, um, of his career. In terms of injuries, we had Dr. Uh, Dr. Edwin Porras from Fantasy Points on the channel a couple of weeks ago. And basically what he said, and I've heard this from other fantasy doctors as well, they're not overly concerned about Ben's elbow because it's a baseball injury that he has. He has an injury that is not like strenuous to quarterbacks because it doesn't happen to them very often. Basically his recovery is not going to be one that has a lot of setbacks. That's basically, I'm just kind of paraphrasing for what they said, but again, he's a volume play. He's a streaming quarterback. That's virtually free and he has solid weapons around him to, to be honest, he, he realistically has the same upside that all the older quarterbacks in this range have breeze, Brady, Ryan Stafford, big Ben wouldn't shock me if he finished ahead of two, three, all of those guys. Like, Ben has top five upside just based on the fact that he throws the ball like crazy. He has weapons around him that can run after the catch and get deep and all that stuff. So I think he's just being slept on just for his, like his, like, I know his floor is really low cause he could get injured again and, and be kind of useless cause he's an older quarterback, but I don't think people really understand what big Ben's upside is anymore. They've kind of thrown him in the camp of Phillip rivers. And I don't think he's there yet. I think he can still play. Yeah, I agree with you that he's got upside. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not on the same side. Like, I'm just not gonna end up with Big Ben on any of my teams. He's not. I would rather have a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll take Gardner Minshew every day of the week over Big Ben. But like, I do. Yeah. Think, I do think he is very streamable. That's that's my point. Because when you yeah. get to this point in the draft, I know Daniel Jones is like a sexy breakout pick, but like, you can't play him the first couple of weeks. Like his his matchups are terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, Big Ben, I haven't specifically, I can't remember their early schedule, but I, I, I'm sure at some point I'll probably end up streaming him this year if he stays healthy. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, I haven't really looked at him that much because I've been going with guys like Jimmy Garoppolo at the end there. I like Gardner Minshew. Like those are the quarterbacks I normally end up with. Giants, Broncos, Texans, uh, Titans, Eagles, and Browns to start the season. So like, I mean, the Broncos the are good defense, tough, but the, the yeah. Eagles – like they're pretty decimated Titans are a good run defense. Not so much a pass defense. Like the Texans and giants are fucking smashes. Like um, he's got, mm-hmm. he's got some good matchups in there. And I think yeah. at the start of the season, at least he's going to be very usable. Maybe you drop him after week, like 11 or whatever. If we, if he's like falling off or like he gets into some bad matchups, actually 
week seven, he plays the Ravens and then week eight, he's on by like, that might be the time you drop him. But for the beginning of the season, I've said this, it's week to week. Like you can use Ben for the first couple weeks of the season. If you want to pair him with a guy like Daniel Jones, um, Daniel Jones is going to be better towards the back half. It's the perfect guy to kind of balance that out. And I know he doesn't run the ball, but his, his, when he's on the field, he throws like crazy. That's just how Ben Roethlisberger has been his entire career. And I know I've said like, Oh, the Steelers have a great defense, but like sometimes players just are who they are. They're going to run the offense around Ben the way it's always been run around Ben for the last fucking 10 years that he's been like an elite level quarterback. And he's not that player anymore, but he still gets treated as such because he's the leader of that team. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right, honestly, because I really want to see Juju succeed again. That's my guy. Um, so this last guy is kind of like the, uh, he's a little bit of a stereotypical sleeper, I would say, but I, I almost not because I was just reading the fantasy pros website and, uh, my guy's Chase Edmonds and fantasy pros, their bio on Chase Edmonds is actually all about Eno Benjamin pretty much instead of talking about Chase, Chase Edmonds, they're talking about how Eno Benjamin is a great receiving back. And they think that he will potentially beat Chase, Chase Edmonds out in the receiving game. And uh, I couldn't disagree more, but I'm really happy that they're spreading all of this to their huge audience because it just kind of makes me realize that there is still an edge in fantasy football. We still have an edge, guys, because someone like Chase Edmonds is a guy that you should not leave your draft with. If you're not in a draft with me, you should make sure you get him. Kenyon Drake is in a walking boot. Last year, the one week that Chase Edmonds really was unlocked and he got the whole work, but workload, he was the RB1 in fantasy. For the week, he, like he dominated. He had 126 yards, three touchdowns. They could not stop him. And uh, yeah, then he got hurt and Kenny Drake came in and whatever. And uh, yeah, like I'm not even saying that I don't like, you know, Benjamin. I actually thought he was a really good college runner. But Chase Edmonds is a much better player. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's a receiving back. Where you're drafting him to, even with Kenyon Drake being healthy, he's kind of like a 1B to Kenyon Drake. He's not just like going to ride the bench. He's going to have some standalone value. And I really could potentially see, even without Kenyon Drake getting hurt, him becoming the 1A. Like, we just don't know with Kenyon Drake. He crushed at the end of last year. I like Kenyon Drake. But we have not seen it that much. You know, like we've seen little spurts. We've seen him be a part-time like committee kind of guy and he's been efficient, but we need to kind of see it over a full year. And I think Chase Edmonds could legit take over. Uh, and at RB 51, I don't know how you don't take him. I hundred percent agree with you. Like I almost put him in that honorable mentions of like, I talk about him too much. So I don't want to talk about him here, but Man, he's Kenyon Drake. His his primary concern is that we don't know if he can hold up for a full season. He's already hurt. Like I know we think of things black and white in fantasy. Either Kenyon Drake's going to play 16 games or he's going to miss all the games. Like, what if you only get four weeks out of Chase Edmonds? What if Kenyon Drake sprains his MCL and he's out for four weeks? Like those four weeks, Chase Edmonds is going to be a top 15 running back, probably right? At least, yes. <laughs> Not many handcuffs in fantasy have the same standalone value that Chase Edmonds has and also the same upside that do. Like there's some that have better upside than him, but what are the chances that Zeke Elliott gets hurt and Tony Pollard's an elite running back? Like very low compared to the fact that Kenyon Drake is already hurt, one, and two, the fact that he's of the guys that have like definite handcuffs, he's definitely the shakiest of all those guys. So I 100% am on board here. I pretty much get Chase Edmonds in every draft. Yeah, me too. I mean, let's see. Kenyon Drake's in a walking boot, guys. Come on, don't overthink it. Stop subscribing to Fantasy Pros. And uh, yeah, just listen to good information like this podcast and video right here. Yes, exactly. So 
as uh, Nick alluded to, if you did receive some good information from this podcast and video, uh, hit the button that looks like this down there and uh, leave a comment. Some of your favorite values, maybe you think Ben's shit. I know Nick doesn't like think he's very good, but anyway, if you are new to the channel, uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button. We're going to be coming at you very often leading up to your drafts and into the season as well. Hit the notification um, button. If you want to be notified when we post new videos, it's kind of, we kind of post at janky times because we have no real rhyme or reason for anything. So um, without further ado, guys, take it easy and enjoy your Monday.